I'm probably as surprised as anyone that I enjoy living in the city. Having grown up on a farm in Missouri, we had only two other families living within a one-mile radius of our home. Living in Lancaster City is quite a change from that, where we have probably 10,000 families living in that same area, same size area. While I'm a long way from the home where I grew up, I certainly don't feel that I'm in exile, as our verse for the year states. This is where I want to be. While some parts of the city are not beautiful, there are plenty of opportunities to see beauty all around us. I enjoy seeing the sun come up over the city, looking down on rooftops from our home. While the city is generally noisy, I have found very quiet, peaceful places in the city. I love walking out to Buchanan Park or the F&M campus on a Sunday afternoon to spend time reading under huge shade trees in areas that seem far away from most of the noise and activity of the city. I enjoy meeting friends unexpectedly on the street from church, from work, or other places that people that maybe I haven't seen for a while. There are other situations that I struggle with when someone asks for money, usually for a bus fare or some other emergency. The surprising thing is that most of these people are not the stereotypical down-and-outers that you would expect. As often as not, they're nicely dressed young people. One time a middle-aged man fell in step with me as I was walking and started a conversation about spiritual things. Then it turned out that his goal was to get a handout. I feel guilty saying no, but I really don't want to help support a drug or alcohol abuse habit either. I like to make eye contact and say hi to people I meet on the sidewalk, but sometimes that invites a request for a money handout. Being within walking distance of most places we want to go, including church, the bank, library, post office, pharmacy, grocery store, is very convenient as well as saving gas and getting exercise. If a destination is outside easy walking distance, senior citizens can ride the bus at no cost. We don't see our move to the city as a temporary thing, but we all know long-term can be anything from one day to 20 years or more. Someday we might be riding around on motorized wheelchairs using the elevator to get to our sixth-floor apartment, but for now we like to use the stairs to keep in shape. I'm glad God sent me into this city in retirement, and I think I would be willing to stay here for 70 years, except I'm already 75. <laughs> um, I love our cozy apartment at Lemon and Duke, where most of our neighbors are younger persons who work or study at LGH one block away. I enjoy volunteering at Nurse Family Partnerships where Marlisa works, on Tuesday mornings and at LGH on Thursday afternoons. I love walking in Lancaster City every day, and as I'm walking, I pick up litter to keep our city beautiful. Never in the suburbs have I been wished a good morning or good afternoon as many times every day as I receive on the streets of this city. I much prefer Central Market and small business in, businesses in town to malls. 
We have a wonderful little deli and mini market just across the street, appropriately called Smiley's. I enjoy our weekly breakfast at a little Korean cafe called Onions, where Lee happily greets us with good morning, Edna and Dwight, Dwight. And regulars Richard and Butch say, where you been if we miss a week? I enjoy walking to events at Fulton Theater and the Ware Center and to Barnstormers games and never have to worry about where to park. The community meal is becoming more special to me as I'm learning to know individuals. It makes me so happy when Michael or Donna or Barry call, hi Edna. With missing teeth and tangled hair, I do see Jesus in these neighbors, and I love them. The fellowship room is packed. Our Monday evening group is larger than this Sunday morning group. As the first arrivers finish eating and leave, those tables are cleared to make room for more. It's always noisy with lots of chatter. But sometimes I'll notice a neat, well-dressed person <clears throat> eating quietly, eyes down, not speaking to anyone, and I wonder what their, his or her story is. There have to be rules to keep this complicated meal program running smoothly, but I still grieve over a time I think I should have bent the rules. The door is locked at 6.15. People must learn that they have to get here before that. One evening, I was in the lobby at 6.20 as the kitchen crew was cleaning up. A young couple pounded loudly on the locked door. I opened it slightly and followed the rule and politely told them I was very sorry, but they were too late. It broke my heart when the girl started crying and she turned back as they were walking away and shouted at me, I'm hungry, God damn you. I'm sorry, Jesus. Well, reflections are not my best skill. So when I was asked to reflect on this verse, I thought, well, this one will be easy. I can just write about something and how I connect to it and how it connects to God. Well, when I first read the verse, I immediately thought, what does welfare mean? And who is sending who into exile? And why? Then as I was reading the passage from last week, Jeremiah 29, 1 through 14, and examining it in the four parts that Todd broke it into, I began to understand the verse a little better. Welfare. It means good fortune, health, happiness, prosperity, etc., of a person or group or organization, or the well-being of. I've never really actually lived in the city, so I can't uh, tell of an experience much. But I know God works in different ways, whether it's in the city or not. Uh, when I help others in different ways to make their lives better or easier, there's a sensation of happiness that flows through me, such as when I was helping out cleaning out a closet down in Kentucky. 
uh, it felt wonderful to see the transformation of one room that made someone's life a lot easier. One word from the definition of welfare was happiness. Happiness has a long-lasting ripple effect. If you start it, then spread it through the people that you have shared it with, it continues. For in its welfare, you will find your own welfare. I hear God challenging us as a congregation to take advantage or to make the best of our lives, especially in helping others, whether we are in a city, the suburbs, or a rural area, or in Wonderland. We probably all know an expression that is near and dear to the hearts of many Anabaptists in the world, but not of the world. I wonder if there's also an in the city, but not of the city, just passing through. Do I live in the city now? I'm told we live in Lancaster Township, but I can see the city line from my back window of our house in one of the middle schools of the school district of Lancaster. Our kids go to SDOL schools and we're able to walk to both their elementary schools and their middle schools. So I'm not sure that I qualify for an I Heart Lancaster bumper sticker, but I can walk to Central Market and that qualifies for something. I grew up in a place about the size of Lancaster. I've always lived in town, never lived in the country. And as a matter of fact, neither of my sets of grandparents lived on farms or had farming as their primary livelihood. So I come from a long line of townies. In my life, I've lived in a couple of major cities, Kinshasa, the capital of the Democratic Republic of Congo, maybe a population of about 9 million by now. Lived in New York City for a year and a half in the Bronx when I was in graduate school. Cities are centers of innovation and creativity. Todd noted last week that uh, the time that the children of Israel were in Babylon was perhaps one of the most generative times for them. At the same time, cities are at the heart of empires and exude power for some. In many ways, cities can become places of anonymity where communities break down. However, cities are also places of thriving communities, some hearkening back to earlier affinities and others looking to the future in a new home with new families, a people of our choosing. For me, life in cities has also revolved around communities of faith, striving and yearning to be rooted in their context, and yet often coming up short. How are we both in the city and of the city? Do we pass the sniff test? Jeremiah told those in exile in Babylon to build homes, marry, have children, about as rooted as you can get. This congregation is clearly in the city. Are we also of the city, now 136 years after our creation? What would it look like for East Chestnut Street to be of the city in Lancaster in 2015? On Tuesday of this week, there was an opinion piece in the newspaper by Assets Lancaster, an organization, a couple of staff from Assets Lancaster. I'm just going to read a couple of lines from that. A decade ago, poverty rates in Lancaster were 21%, according to U.S. Census figures. Today, that number has jumped to 29%. Worse yet, poverty rates in parts of the south side of the city today are at 40%. We must recognize that a renovated downtown, involvement in community peace initiatives, while all positive initiatives in their own right, cannot offset the challenges to those living in poverty. Lancaster needs more targeted solutions 
to fight poverty. Neighbors, nonprofits, businesses, and government, and I would add to that list communities of faith, should consider new shared vision and common goals to reduce poverty. The future is bright, but only if all boats can rise with the tide. So I conclude by asking shared vision and common goals to reduce poverty. Is that our invitation at East Chestnut Street to being both in the city and of the city? It's God in the city. First, I experienced God through the private Catholic schools that I attended, through the nuns and priests who cared for us and took an interest in our grades and goals. I also experienced God here on Monday night meals. When a fight breaks out, I go and speak to them in a low, modulated voice and ask them, what would Jesus say or do? Usually, they fall silent and listen. I have met persons in the church who, in their current, show forth God. This includes not only those here and now, but those who have died. Luke Mayer, Harold Stauffer, Marcus Smucker, Paul Hustler, and Luke Shank, and Ken Noll and others. I have experienced God through the pastors of this church that I have met. They are very loving, caring, and, and to the congregation. The churches of the city, especially this one, have been a haven of peace and quiet. How do I hear God challenging our congregation? I have had my own big challenge with the property next door and all the destruction and construction work that is going on to rebuild a burned-out building. In the midst of all, that means I have had to remember what this verse tells us. I have often come to this church looking for peace alone or with the congregation to talk to God. The biggest thing for me is going to Holy Communion in both this and the Catholic Church. Since childhood, when I was taught how important communion is, I have known it to be a special blessing. Each of us must listen to the people here in our city and pray for them and care for them as we meet them and interact. For our years, I have had a special word for all the single mothers who passed my home. This is likely because I was one of them. I would like to see a class or something to help them do better because I don't think they know what road to take. If I didn't have people where I worked at check to help me, I would have gone astray. An example would be last weekend on the corner of Plum and Chestnut, just, whoa, 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 pardon me. I lost my paper. Okay. Uh, Turkey Hill, where neighbors heard the constant beating and yelling of a child. They reported her to the children and youth and the police. The body of the body has not been found. The mother is in prison. And the other three children are with the children and youth. All this happened one block from here. And it could have been me.
I teach at McCaskey High School. I live on a farm in the country. Too few words, too little time, but that is fine, else I would say too much. My days are full in the classroom, hurrying too much, pausing too little. I notice Francesca was quieter than usual. She says little, but I noticed she was speaking even less. I asked her what had changed. She said she had just lost a friend. For some reason, the relationship had ended. I thought I noticed her quieter spirit, and she said, thank you. And I smiled, and she smiled in return for a moment. The welfare of the city, the welfare of the city is needed, think of dough, into the city through the moments of shalom we share with the people we meet. Even our enemies, even those who have overpowered us and dragged us to a place that is not where we would want to be. Leticia often irks me when I'm moving through my lesson plan. She's like someone on the road who didn't stop at the stop sign, cut me off while I had the right of way. Irresponsible, disrespectful, rule breaker, rude, reckless, redeemable, reconcilable. Shalom is not static. It is not the absence of motion and disturbance. It is a way of motion and disturbance. Shalom is a mobile device. <laughs> mobile phone, mobile shalom. It goes with us, in us, from us. As I drive to school and walk the halls and pace the classroom, I'm conscious of my calling. Seek the welfare of the city. Be the salt of the earth. Be an ambassador for Christ. Bear the good news. Radiate the fruit of the Spirit. And with that, I also include, be absolutely dependent on God for all of these things. Many of us are proactive, forming policy, writing articles, transforming opinions. But my personality tends to be reactive, dealing with things as they come. And with that is the challenge that I face daily, offering up a Jesus Christ shalom to the pending situations and the people before me, to which I plead, O oh Lord, hear my prayer. May the words of my mouth, especially, and the meditations of my heart be pleasing to you, O oh Lord, our rock and our redeemer. The challenge of Jeremiah 29, 7 God works with entire cities, Nineveh, Babylon, Jerusalem, Cincinnati, Lancaster. And most often, God is reaching that city through individuals. Jonah, Abraham, Daniel, Jeremiah, Matthew, Jonathan, Mike, Chris, and you. O oh Lord, hear our prayers. It has been a mystery to me this past year and a half how I could come to a place I've never lived before and to feel that I've come home. 
Living in the city of Lancaster, I experienced the vast diversity of the Creator's works. The sunrise through stately sycamores in Reservoir Park reflects in my bathroom mirror as I get ready for each day. The rhythms of horse hooves pulling Amish buggies and rap music pounding in car stereos past my house. The scents of pungent Dominican chicken stews mingle with the fragrance of plantain lilies while I tend my garden. While waiting with Jasmine at the bus stop, a cacophonous and colorful stream of children of all ages heads to school. My days are punctuated with phone calls and chats over the fence with my 80-something neighbors, a lick on the hand from Buddy the dog, an update from Myra about her impending apartment eviction, or from Karen, my grocery store clerk, about her husband's cancer. I must confess it is uncomfortable for me to give directions to my home when the closest and most known landmark is the county prison. When I read about the latest arrests in the morning paper or receive the Megan's Law flyers for my block, I know these persons, too, are my neighbors. Once, when fear began to overwhelm me, I sensed a call to begin praying for these neighbors by name. Now when I read the news, Lord have mercy is my refrain. Now I take time to wonder what crimes my prison neighbors are themselves victims of. Abuse, poverty, racism, mental illness, and I feel God's compassion slowly growing in me. Every bit of pleasure and discomfort this city brings keeps me squarely connected to the realness of life in all its beauty and brokenness. I feel at home, perhaps, because it is so clear that God dwells here.